ready to go to heaven. Uh, some people are like, I'm ready to go, but I don't want to go right now, right? Um, but um, as, as believers, we have to understand that that is, we, we don't live for this world. We live for what is coming next. Yeah, we are to uh, be in this world and be a part of this world. But really, we're just pilgrims passing through this world. The things of this world are really small in comparison to the eternal uh, uh, you know, weight of glory that will be when we get to heaven. So um, just a, a few key notes. Second Thessalonians, written to the church in Thessalonica. Paul's writing this book as well. Uh, Thessalonica was a uh, city in Greece, port city. It's actually one of the uh, only cities that really still remains that Paul actually um, uh, wrote to. It's still that actual city. They changed the name of it to Thessalonica now, which sounds a little bit more Greek um, to me. So and it all's, it's all Greek to me. But um, so uh, we, I talked about in 1 Thessalonians, Paul went for three Sabbaths and he established a church. And I, that just blows my mind because now, you know, if you want to start a church, man, you go through all this training and you spend months and months of fundraising and all that. No, Paul comes in three Sabbaths, establishes, establishes this church and then, uh, you know, is forced to leave because of persecution and people are trying to kill him because uh, they threaten him because he's preaching that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and some of those there in, in Greece are saying, hey, he's, he's preaching against uh, uh, Caesar. And so he, he's kind of ran out of town in order to sustain. But um, uh, anyways, uh, it, and, and so here he is. So he did that. And then he, he's away. And then he, he writes that first letter uh, where Timothy goes back, gives him a good report on what's going on there. And then he writes the first book of Thessalonians. Then he gets to this second book, which is about a year later. Um, his, he's still checking on them, and he is writing them a letter. How many know that it's good to get a checkup every once in a while? I'm 40 years old. It's good to get a checkup every once in a while. I'm starting to learn that in my life. And, uh, and what about uh, in, in your car? It's good to do preventative maintenance versus uh, having to come and fix something on the side of the road. And everyone said, amen. All right. And so, uh, and so he is basically doing this. It, it's interesting because we think in our modern society, hey, we could just pick up the phone. We can watch on social media. We can watch a live stream. We can do all these things. Well, guess what? If they had a problem, they may uh, write a letter to Paul and may not get a response from him for some time before they get the answer to that. And so, uh, so here he is, cor- he, is, he is corresponding back to them. And in this letter, he's clearing up a little bit of confusion um, because some who had come behind him preached uh, a, confus- a confusing doctrine about uh, the rapture. And this group preached uh, and said that the perse- persecution that the Thessalonians were, were going through was proof that the tribulation had begun. And how many know there's a lot of people, man, you, something starts happening in the world. You always hear these people, what is tribulation starting, right, or all these things. And Paul just kind of comes in. And just hey, we're gonna we're gonna just fix the course correction here. We're gonna get this right. Um, it's it's interesting to me. Um, and this is another thing. They they even forged a letter uh, as if it was from Paul to the Thessalonians to even cause more. Doesn't that sound like the devil just to ca- just to cause confusion where there doesn't need to be confusion? And so he is coming in and he is looking at this. And so um, we're gonna look here in a second. Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll try to get through this. There's, I think, uh, 12 verses here. 
And some of you may say, man, can you not get through 12 verses? Sometimes you just never know about me. <laughs> you know, you just don't know. So, and, and it starts with the typical greeting that you would see from Paul. And it says, Paul, Silvanus, which is uh, uh, Silas, and Timothy, Silvanus, that's his uh, Green County name right there, Silvanus, all right? I'm just joking. I'm not, I'm not picking on you guys over there. Uh, I promise. I'm just joking. God loves the people in Greene County just as much as he does the ones over here, all right? I'm playing. I'm going to get myself in trouble tonight. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the uh, Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's uh, Paul and, and Silas and Timothy, we all say hi. And that's basically what he's saying. And uh, Timothy's going back to check on the church. And then he does this great greeting. You've heard me say this many times as we've talked about these books that Paul writes uh, to all these churches. He says this in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Typical greeting of Paul right here. And come on, for all you people who have been here through most of these les lessons, where you find the grace of God, you find? There you go. You, they, go they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Amen. You, you, they work together. So where the grace of God is, you'll have the peace of God. If you're, if you're struggling with peace in your life, you need to look at that and say, hey, is God's grace working in my life? And, so, and then he starts this, uh, if you need a, a heading here, he starts with just a little bit of thanksgiving. So he, he does what he typically does. He comes in, tells them hi, and then he kind of gives them accolades of things that they're doing good. How many like to hear uh, a good report on things you're doing good, right? Um, it's kind of like what the boss does when he comes in and talks to you before he tells you you need to do something. He tells you what you're doing good, but, right? Um, and so he says this in verse 3, we, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. And that word brothers there can be translated brothers and sisters, just so you know, as, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. How many want your faith to grow abundantly? So this church is only like a year old. And so he is saying, man, that your faith is growing. And look at this. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. How will the world know that you're Christ followers? By your love. By how you love one another. I love that. So um, interesting here. This is similar to what he says about the Thessalonians a year earlier, except something is missing here. If, you, if you'll go back to 1 Thessalonians, if you'll go back just a few pages uh, chapter 1, verse 3, <coughs> almost verbatim, I want you to look here at the difference that Paul says in this first uh, book of Thessalonians versus the second book, and I don't think Tristan has that up there, but it says this, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I had mentioned this um, about the book of uh, Thessalonians, the, the first book, is, you know, the three components that we see in any active working church is faith, love, and hope. All right, those three things. And so he, he mentioned those in 1 Thessalonians. So faith, talking about our past, uh, right? And by faith, we believe the past work of Christ on the cross, right? So it takes faith. It's talking about the past. Our love is our present for one another, chapter 4 in that first book of Thessalonians, he talks about how we should love one another. And he goes a step further talking about holiness. And he goes a step further talking about how we ought to uh, deal with each other. And so um, 
So love, so they'll know you by your love for one another. Now, see, here's the difference. Here's the difference between 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, um, verse 3, and the first chapter of both of them is this. In in 2 Thessalonians, he does not mention hope. In 1 Thessalonians, he talks about faith, love, and hope. And in 2 Thessalonians, he talks about their faith, and he talks about their love. And it's interesting to me um, when we look at this. See, the the second in Second Second Thessalonians, they had lost their hope. Let me tell you something: the enemy wants nothing more than to kill your hope. All right, and hope uh, uh, hope in, in Scripture is this: the expectation of coming good. How many know that heaven is the expectation of coming good for believers? Amen. I I love that. And, and that's heaven. I don't know about you. I'm, I, get, I get more and more excited about heaven. Um, unfortunately, in today's society, we don't hear a lot of peop- people uh, preaching about heaven as much as we should. But our blessed hope is beyond where we are right here at this time, all right? And so the Thessalonians, um, they had lost their hope. Um, and so, um, and I mentioned this earlier, a group of false teachers had come in and um, began to teach the Thessalonians that they were going through the tribulation and uh, caused a little bit of consternation and confusion. And today we see people trying to discourage and destroy the hope of Jesus Christ, right? Man, just walk down the street, just go to the grocery store, um, just tell someone that you love Jesus, and, and you'll be surprised at how some people will try to discourage your witness and tell you, that what you believe doesn't matter, and no matter how bad it gets, listen, as believers, no, no matter how bad the world gets, our future is in Jesus Christ. Amen? So, hey, you could watch the news all you want. You can get depressed all you want. Watch it. You could, you could sing the uh, doom and gloom song, but can I tell you something? That our hope as believers is not in this world. It's not in the U.S. government. It's not anything that this world could give us, but it is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? Amen. So, uh, uh, so on Christ, I love this. How about this? There's that old song that says, on Christ the solid rock I'll stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen? And, and what a truth that is to us today. Can I tell you something? The Lord wants to establish your feet. And you need to establish your feet on the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Okay? If you don't want to be moved by every wave and wind of doctrine, put your feet on Jesus Christ and stand firm because you'll stand through the storm. Amen? Um, speaking of hope, did you guys hear about the uh, middle-aged lady who went on a cruise? And at one of the cruise's nightly dinners, she saw a man, and a man that was a few years younger than her, and she smiled at him, and he smiled at her. And uh, she walked over to him and said, you look like my third husband. And uh, he smiled and said, well, how many times have you been married? And what she said, two. That is hope. That is hope. So, uh, I know that. If you guys paid me more, you'd get better jokes. Here's the deal. If we as believers have faith in the past and hope for the future, for the future we'll, we'll love in the present. That, that's the only thing. If, if we know, that, uh, know our faith is, is secure in Jesus Christ, if we know that, 
and then we know that our hope and future is secure and that we're going to heaven, guess what? It, makes, it takes a lot of weight off of us because now we can just love in the present just as easy as possible. Amen? Um, and so I love that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 13 says this, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Oh, so we know that. And so, um, so in that, I mean, we, we have our faith and we have our hope in the future, but right now, presently, we are to love. And how many knows that God loves you? Despite who you are, in spite of who you are, God still loves you. Your mistakes, your past, it doesn't matter. He still loves you. And because of that, because of Christ loved me first, I can love him. And guess what? I can love you. No matter how big of a rascal you are, I could still love you. Amen. And so uh, what a relief for us as Christians. So Paul is telling them, good job on your past uh, and your faith and great in your present love. But, man, you guys have just simply lost your hope. Amen. And, uh, and we as believers, when your hope is lost, you, when, you, when you feel like that you're not going to make it, you just want to quit, right? If you feel like, hey, this is the end for me, um, you know, you'll, you'll, just, you'll just roll over and give up. But if there's a little bit of glimmer of hope, you will keep fighting, amen? And so uh, that's why we teach about heaven. You know why we teach about heaven? is to remind you of the hope that we have as believers. And so I like how Paul reiterates this here. Verse 4 says this, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith and all your persecution and in the affliction that you are enduring. So Paul writing uh, this epistle, Christians were being persecuted, beaten and wiped out. Anybody been beaten and wiped out here lately as an American Christian? Don't think so, right? Man, how many are so grateful that we live in a country that we can love on our God? Amen. That's something we ought to not take for granted. And, and so Paul, is, he's giving them kind of a, a, an attaboy. He's proud of them. He says, you're enduring hard times. And um, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier last week when I was in, in Michigan, and pastors had, had, had talked to me, said, how's, how's everything at the church? And, and I'm in a pastor's coaching thing right now, too. And, um, and they asked me, how's the church doing? I love to brag on, on what God is doing and, and what you guys are doing and the transformation. And not because I'm good, but because God is good. And, and you know what? I, I always say this. I always say this really carefully is because I don't know what I'm doing, I get to lean on Jesus who helps me to do what I need to do. I mean, it's one of those moments, and that's really the way I feel. And so, um, and so anyways, so... Um, and so he's, it's, it's good. It's good to give recognition to, to those who are doing well, and that's what Paul's doing here to the Thessalonians. He's just letting them know, hey, you're doing a good job. How many like to have someone tell you you're doing a good job every once in a while, even if it's yourself? Good job, right? Don't hurt yourself. Don't pull a muscle trying to pat your own back. Um, if you're struggling with your in your heart tonight, maybe you're down in your spirit, can I just tell you something? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. you. You made it out here on a Wednesday night when you could be doing a million other things, and I'm proud of you. And so I, I just want to say that, and, and despite your situations and your struggles, you're here at the house of God. You're, you're ready to learn. 
And so the last part of this verse in the ESV says, for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. The King James Version actually says tribulations instead of afflictions. And tribulations uh, here uh, is not the great tribulation, okay? It is meant, it is a trial, okay? When we're talking about the great tribulation, Revelation 6 through 10, sometimes people like to intermingle that word a little bit, and that's where a little bit of confusion happens at times. But he's just talking about your everyday struggles. How many have struggles every day, somehow, some way? It could be your commute to work. It's a struggle for me, amen? Some of you say amen. Um, it could be uh, a lot of things, but he's just saying in your, in your, in your trials and your, your, your struggles, uh, there, are, there are things. So he's, he's kind of giving them an attaboy. So look at this. Verse 5 says this. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. So um, Paul here is saying, in fact, that you are you were uh, put down or your, persecu- your persecution is proof that you are part of the kingdom. If you're going through something right now, a spiritual battle, can I tell you something? That's proof that you're part of the kingdom of God. Well, what do you mean by that? Um, he said this in Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You didn't realize you signed up to be persecuted when you came to know Christ, did you? And so Paul just kind of throws it out there. Um, I don't know about you. When I read that verse, that's not exactly the most comforting verse that, that I can find in Scripture, right? Um, uh, you know, maybe I should put that up in my office when someone comes in and they're like, I'm struggling. I'll be like, right? <laughs> Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be per- and those things and and so um, oftentimes this is what I do this is my mistake and when I'm going through persecution or a trial or a situation I ask God to take that situation away why because I don't want to deal with the pressure or I don't want to deal with the situation um, in reality here's the thing now check this out in reality those problems or those persecutions and pressures are what produce Christ-like characteristics within me. And so sometimes I think we pray amiss and we're like, God, take this away from me. And God's like, I'm trying to make you into what I want you to be. So if you can endure through this, hey, you're going to be a lot better. And and if you want to be like Jesus, guess what? Hard times are going to be inevitable. They're going to come around. Uh, I begin to think about this. A lot of us say, hey, I want to be a diamond, and I want to shine for the kingdom of Jesus. But what, what, what do we know about diamonds? Diamonds are a piece of coal that is formed in the p- deep parts of the earth under lots and lots of pressure over a long, long time. And so, you know, when we say that, we need to understand that, um, you know what, we're just coal, and we're go- undergoing this uh, heavy amounts of pressure over many years, and so if we want our heart to shine for Jesus and be a reflection of Jesus, the only way that's going to happen is if we endure. Say, hey, Lord, instead of, Lord, take this away from me, Lord, make me through this. Show me what you want me to see in this trial. 
If I'm being a knucklehead, and Lord, you want me to be a better husband, help me to be a better husband. And my wife's back there going, amen, right? First Peter verses, uh, or chapter 4, verses 12 through 13 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. What are we, as Christians, we're always like, man, I can't believe this is happening to me, right? Uh, but, but Peter tells us, hey, don't, don't, be, don't be surprised by that, as though something strange were happening to you. But let's look at this. Verse 13 says this, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. What does that mean? Hey, when I'm going through all the pressure, when I am a piece of coal and I feel like everything's working against me, that God is going to reveal his glory through my life and through my testimony. Amen. Look at this. James 1, 2 says this. And I, James just kind of throws it out there. Count it all joy when you go through these trials. Mm, I don't know about you. I don't get excited about going through things. Struggles. Um, it's, not, it's not easy. But um, there's a perspective here that we have to get in our minds that if we can be like Paul. I, don't, I love Paul because nothing shook Paul. Nothing, throw him in jail, that's fine. You know, hey, we're going to kill you, Paul, fine. To die is the game. Okay, we're not going to kill you, we're going to let you live. That's all right, I'll be able to witness to more people. Well, we're going to throw you in jail. That's fine, I'll witness to the guards. They, he was just like an eel. They couldn't get a hold of him spiritually. And he's just like, it doesn't matter, I'm just going to be used by God in whatever situation I'm in. And I say, hey. I want to be like that, Lord. Help me to have that mind. Paul is a pure reflection of the suffering of, for Jesus Christ. You look at his life. And so um, as we grow through these things, our faith is being tried and purified, and the pressure is on, and, I'm, and I'm, be- I'm becoming a diamond through the process for God's kingdom. Amen. And if you're like me, you've probably prayed, Lord, take this, uh, take this away from me. Um, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to have to deal with this, but I can't help but think that, man, maybe I've prayed amiss, and some of my prayers have hindered the work that God has tried to do in me. And a submitted heart, and God can do a lot more with a submitted heart. I, um, I'll be the first one in the room to say I, I hate going through trials. I hate pressures. I hate situations. I hate dealing with, with, with things. But can I tell you something? If I begin to change my perspective from Lord um, get me out of this trial to, Lord, make me what you want me to be through this trial. Man, that, that eye-opening situation. So, and, and what happens when I, when I get that mentality, Lord, make me what you want me to be out of this trial, what happens there is I am changed to his image and not mine. And so I love that. So I, uh, I think we become weary in, in our prayers and trials because we're busy trying to redirect the Lord concerning us. Lord, you should do this. Lord, you should give me this job. God, you should allow this to happen in my life. And this is what I've come to, to come to this conclusion. Lord, put me wherever you want me and wherever I'll blossom for you. And when we get that mentality, man, and, and here's the thing. He knows best. And unfortunately, sometimes we have that mistake where we think we know what's best for us. He is the all-knowing God who created the universe, and he knows every 
detail about you. Matter of fact, Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord God with all your heart and lean not to what? Your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I was thinking about this um, and, and I was thinking about a group that had a fiery trial in, in the book of Daniel. There was these three Hebrew boys and they chose to stand in a moment that they, that they could have easily bowed and they could have easily just went with the crowd. But when they stood, look at this, in Daniel uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 18, it says, through 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I like this, verse 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from a burning, burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18, I like this. But if not, be it known to you, O king. Hey, just so you know, if he doesn't, O king, that we will not serve your gods or, and your golden image that you have set up. And I, I love that stance that they have. And, 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 th- and you know what? It takes a lot to trust the Lord in something that big because they knew what would happen by standing and so them being able to do that, verse 16, I love this, in the NIV says, uh, it says this there in that chapter. It says, we don't have to defend ourselves to what you're saying, Nebuchadnezzar, because God will defend us. That's trusting in the Lord, amen? And I love that. And so I love that. That's trust in the middle of the fiery trial. So Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, don't be discouraged when you go through these things, these pressures, they'll, they'll what's what will make you shine for Jesus even more. Verse 6 says this, Since indeed God considers it uh, just to repay, to repay with the afflictions of those who afflict you. How many know that God is a good record keeper? God has seen every wrong against you. God knows who has done every wrong against you. And this is amazing. Again, the, the King James Version uses the word tribulations here. Uh, instead of affliction. And I think there's two ways of, of looking at this verse concerning afflictions and tribulations here. Um, first is this, uh, if you want to take it for face value, the Thessalonians dealing with being persecuted uh, for believing in Christ, talking about their afflictions that they're dealing with there. And secondly, I believe, is the nature of God concerning the tribulation in Rev- Revelation 6 through 19. Why do you say that? Well, it says this. The King James Version actually says, uh, it is a righteous thing with God. It is a righteous thing with God at the beginning of that uh, verse. And so um, the phrase uh, takes me back here, and I begin to think about this in Genesis chapter 18, where we see the character of God. What do we know about the character of God? If you're not sure uh, what the character of God is, you need to know your Bible to understand the character of God. You, you just, you, you're going to have to know your Bible. You're going to have to read your Bible to know how God responds to situations. But, and in this, uh, when we look at this, the character of God tells me that God loves the righteous. And I'm going to show you right here. Um, in Numbers 23, 19, I'm going to paraphrase this. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not human that he changes his mind. All right? God's not wishy-washy. What he says, he, he follows through with. He speaks, then acts. He promises and then fulfills. Uh, I've got an expectation on the promises that God has spoke. Amen. 
I, I love that. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The character of God does not change. James 1.17 says, every gift comes from God above who does not change like the shifting wind. God is constant. He is the same. He is the same. And so what does that mean? God's character does not change. In Exodus, he says, I am that I am. Do you know what that means? That means I am who I am. And I don't change. And you need to understand the, the, the complexity of that statement. In Genesis chapter 18, and he's there concerning Sodom, and he's, he's about to cast judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham. Oh, thank goodness for Abraham. He asked God, surely you won't destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah if, if, if there are 50 righteous people in this, in this city. And, and the Lord says, I, I won't destroy it if there's 50 people. And, and then he says, how about 45? And the Lord says, I won't. 40 people, I won't. 35, I won't. I think Abraham knew just how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. 30, I won't destroy it. 25, I won't destroy it. 20, how about 20, Lord? If there's 20 righteous, will you not destroy the city? I won't destroy it. How about 10? I won't destroy the city. But look at this. If there are 10 righteous, and God would destroy the city because there wasn't even 10 righteous in the city. This is amazing. But look at the character of God. For Lot and his family, okay, for Lot and his family, the righteous ones, he made a way out. He made a way out. Listen, I know a lot of people would, would, would want to argue about pre-trib, post-trib, all this. I'm going to tell you, if you are saved, God has made a way out called the rapture to get you out of the trials and the tribulations. Because I'm going to show you something here. Look at this in Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, it says, If by turning the cities, and talking about S Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Who did it happen to? The ungodly. Man, so, so that tells me that if, if I'm a righteous man, if I have Jesus in my heart, that God is going, I, the character of God tells me that he is going to make a way out for me. Look at this, verse 7 says, And if he rescued uh, a righteous lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, verse 8, for uh, as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his, his righteous soul over his lawless deeds, uh, what, what he saw and heard. Verse 9, then the Lord knows how to, look at this, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Oh, man, the character of God is to take the righteous out of, out of trials and situations. So look at this. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. The word rescue here in this verse, um, there where it says in verse 9, that the Lord knows how to rescue. That word rescue, or in the King James it says take out, um, is the Greek word ek. Everyone say ek. Probably the easiest uh, Greek word you'll ever know, E-K. That's it, ek. And, and, and you say, well, why is that important? Why is that word, Greek word so important? That Greek word ek, if you look at the meaning of that word, 
it does, it does not mean to protect while going through it. It means to be taken out completely. So God has made a way. And, and, and what, I, what I'm getting to here and what I'm, what I'm talking about is what Paul is talking about, the rapture of the church. Now, some would say, hey, you're going to go through the tribute. Yeah, you could stay here all you want. I'm going on the first, first round with Jesus, all right? Because uh, I know the character of God. And if you're righteous, God will make a way out. Now, see, why is that important? Because here's the thing. The, the, when we look at the tribulation, when we look at the tribulation, going back to Revelation here, the tribulation is for a Christ-rejecting world. That's what it's for. It's for people who have rejected Christ. That is, that is it. it, it bottom line, the, the ESV says rescued. And here's the question. Rescued from what? Rescued from the judgment of God. You know why? Because Jesus Christ died on a cross. And because of Christ, I'm rescued from that judgment. Amen? And God's character proves time and time again that he makes a way out for the righteous. Let me give you another example. Noah and his family. Another time where God made a way out for the righteous. Amen. And and so uh, that is just the character of God. So God will make a way out for his church. Amen. While he pours out uh, on a Christ rejecting sinful world, corrupt world in the tribulation and revelation. And so verse 7 says this. And to grant relief to you uh, who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and and flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Who are are they inflicting uh, uh, vengeance on? Do you catch that? To those who don't know God, those, those uh, who disobey the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So here as believers, there's a tension, right, for us. Um, and let me tell you something. Uh, I believe that we are living in, in the end times. And, and, I, and I was going to try to do chapters 1 and 2 in this, but chapter 2, once I got into chapter 2, you don't want to miss next week because, hey, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. There's a lot of depth to that little chapter um, talking about um, some some prophecies and some things within that, within the rapture. But um, but there's a tension as believers in this world, right? What is that tension? And that tension is um, there is a world that, that hates the gospel of Jesus Christ. They hate the truth, Right? And there are things in this earth that are happening. There are war and rumors of war. There are famines. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Did you, did, did you guys know that the Euphrates River is drying up at an extremely high rate? Look that up. Um, there, there are some uh, crazy things that, that look like, and those are all things that, that are pointing to the coming. And it says this in Romans, that the earth is groaning. The earth is groaning, and, and things are happening, and there, there are famines in vast places. And, and, you know, things that we thought five years ago couldn't happen, guess what? They're happening right now. It's pretty amazing to me. And so we, we look at that. Um, and there's this tension as believers in this world, and this is what happens. When, when we're raptured out of here, listen, you know what's keeping the Antichrist from coming around? The Holy Spirit and the church of Jesus Christ. That is it. 
Now, you get this church out of here, then, then the spirit of Antichrist will do what it's going to do. And then will come the day that God's vengeance will make all things right. And God will take vengeance on those who purposely, knowingly, willingly gave you headaches and heart, heartaches and because of your faith in him. It says this in Deuteronomy 32, 35, Hebrews 10, 30, and Romans 12, 19 all say this. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Here's the thing. You don't have to fight those battles because God is going to take care of those battles for you. It may not be here in this lifetime, and you may not see it right this moment, but God will come through. His promises when he promises something, he comes through. He fulfills it. So if you feel persecuted, feel good about it because God will make uh, that wrong right. When? Here's, here's the thing. So when will he do that, TJ? In his time. That's where my trust in him comes. God, I'm just going to trust you in your time. You're, you're going to make things right. Um, then here's the problem. I, I'm not patient. You're not patient. We hate to wait, right? Well, while you're waiting, this is what you got to do. When you're waiting, our, our job is to love. That, that, that'll help you. That'll give you something to do while you're waiting on the Lord to do what he's going to do. Also, knowing that we, that we will be free from the pressure of this world helps us deal with the current suffering. Um, when you know that a trial is, is about to, to end, man, it's like the end, right? It's like the last, last day of high school, right? How many remember the last day of high school? You were... You were checked out at 8.30 in the morning. You showed up to school because it was fun. You called your teachers by their first name instead of Mr. and Mrs., right? Uh, all those things, right? Just because you knew they weren't going to do nothing to you. Like, you could just be a little bit rowdy that day. Uh, I did that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, but remember the Thessalonians, they had lost their hope, and, and they're being taught by those who had forged those letters in Paul's name and, and been teaching falsely concerning the rapture and tribulation. So they had lost their hope that, that Jesus Christ was coming back. And they thought, oh, man, we're going through this, this tribulation. And here's the thing. As believers, if you don't get anything else out of this, as believers, we cannot lose our hope. Amen. The enemy, if he can get you uh, sidetracked and get you off, get your eyes off of the hope of heaven, and, and he can get you to turn left and right, you, you, he can get you to go all those different directions. He, that is his goal, and that's what he wants to do. Uh, when there is hope, when there's hope, our, our perspective changes, right? That's what I've learned. When there's still hope, my perspective is still positive, right? It's when we, we think we've lost all hope. And I'll never forget one time I was on a flight, and, and on this flight, uh, it was weird. We took off. And, and then the plane got up to a certain point, and then the engines kicked down. And, like, like when you've flown a little bit, you kind of know what's going on. You're like, man, something ain't right. We are not high enough to be, to be losing the engines at this because usually they get up, and then they kind of just coast. And anyways, and so I thought, something's not right. And then we just turned really hard in the airplane, and I was like, something's really not right here. Something's not right in my heart. I just know it. And, and, uh, and then the the, the, <laughs> the pilot gets on the intercom and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we have an emergency. We're going to have an emergency landing, and uh, we're going to just land at the nearest airport, and we're going to get down to 10,000 feet so that's breathable if something is to happen between. And that's pretty much all he said. He said, you know, 
um, flight attendants get everyone ready for, you know, whatever. And so, and, and so, man, hope was lost. Anybody ever been in that situation? My hope was lost. I was ready to quit. Matter of fact, I was, I, I was praying. I was like, God, just bless my kids, bless my wife because they weren't with me. And I said, Lord, just let them have a good life. And, and I was not feeling sorry for myself. I mean, I was scared because I thought I was going to die. But, but I was just praying for them. And I was like, God, just bless them. And I had pretty much had made up in my mind, hey, this could be it for me because I didn't know what was going on. And, and so we're sitting there and we're flying in the air. And uh, we land at an airport, a region, little regional airport. And when we uh, hit the ground, they were, man, it was crazy. We all clapped. Yeah, and there was, there was all kinds of uh, crazy fire trucks coming up the, the back behind us. And I thought, man, this is like a movie. This is so cool, right? And we, none of us knew what was going on. And then so we land, and we just stop right in the middle of the, uh, uh, what is that, the runway. And, and, the, and man, the, this guy gets on the plane, and he has this big old, like, fire suit. Like, I mean, he looked like something like I thought there was a bomb on the plane, like, to these two guys. And they go straight up to the... Um, they go straight up to uh, the where the pilot was, the cabin. They open it up, and they, they look in there, and we're just all just sitting there just attentively just thinking, what's going to happen? And they within like two minutes, they walk out, and then we get out, and it ended up being something really, really small. But for a moment there, I lost hope that I wasn't going to make it. But can I tell you something? As believers, when those kind of things happen, okay, maybe you're not on an airplane, and, and you're, you think you're going to die. When those moments come, from, come, we have to realize that God, uh, God has hope for us, and our hope is heaven. Amen. And so we have to we have to remember that. And so uh, I, I just want to encourage you in that tonight. So Galatians six nine says, "And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up." You know what? On that plane, not knowing what was going on. Now here's the thing. You guys can look at me and say, oh, well, that's not so bad. You don't know what it's like to put your life in someone else's hands at that moment because my life was in that pilot's hands. And I was just going, Lord, I pray all that training that guy went through was the best training and he was the best first in his class. And I just kept hoping and believing that God was going to make a way and he made a way. And he landed and, and you know what, I made it home and God worked it out. And here's, here's what we need to realize as believers. God will make things right. Don't lose hope. Verse 10 says this, and I'm almost done, I promise. When he comes on that day uh, to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. Verse 11, to the end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in contrast to verses 7 and 9, uh, verses 10 and 12 focus not on the destruction of the wicked, but it talks about Christ being glorified in his saints. Um, you, you and I are saints. If you know Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Sorry. 
Um, there's saints and there's ain't, there ain'ts, right? And, and Christ will uh, not only be glorified among them, but also in them. So how so? Here's the thing. We are a reflection of God's glory. Your life is a reflection of God's glory. Matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I love that. Be a reflection of, of, of Christ. Um, I'd, I'd venture to say that most of us um, didn't find ourselves on Time's uh, person of the year this last year, right? Anybody anybody on the cover of Time? No? All right, didn't think so. Um, uh, I tried. Uh, you didn't go out and buy that. Uh, or, or you didn't find yourself in, um, you know, uh, who's who of America. Why? You know, here's the thing. Because it's not our day. As a matter of fact, in Job chapter 10, verse 5, it says, this is the day of man, referring to fallen humanity. But here's the thing. When Jesus returns... We will be glorified and admired in all who believe. Uh, we will see Jesus in each other. Amen? You might as well start practicing that right now. Um, uh, some of you will get to heaven and, and look at me and say, wow, I thought you were weird on earth, but look at you now. Right? And... Um, or some of you may look at me and, or someone else and say, man, I thought you were a lightweight on earth. But look at you now. You made it right. Look at the Jesus in you. I thought you were this or I thought you were that. But look at you. And here's the thing. I see the Jesus in you. I see the reflection of, of God in you. Amen. I love that. And so there's a song. I love this song that I learned from. Uh, some of my African-American friends in Texas, and they used to sing this song, and it was, I love it, just simple. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. <laughs> Absolutely. That takes the pressure off. I don't even really have to like you. I just got to like the Jesus in you, right? The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. Oh, that's great. So Paul's letter here, I like this. His letter um, is, is a reminder of the hope of Christ's return. I don't know about you, I, while bad things are happening, and they are, I, every day I watch the news, I see a little bit more, and I'm just like, whew, right? And, and while rumors of war are happening, while famine, famine and pandemics and new pandemics, and everybody has an answer to this and that, can I tell you this? I, I just pray this over our church, that our faith be grounded in God, amen, that our love be present with one another, and that our hope would be in heaven and Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? That encouraged my socks off. They're on, but I, I that's a figure of speech. I want to do this. Will you stand with me? I just want to pray with you. And if you've been going through something or you know someone who is going through, I want you to do this. Marsha Brotherton, pray pray for her. I know she, she was having a rough uh, start to the week. Haven't heard, Bev, have you, how is she doing, Marsha? Since Sunday, okay. I didn't think, and uh, but remember her. She was, she was having some struggles with some sickness, and she's just uh, recovered from COVID just uh, – 
just do that. Just lift her. We're going to lift her up and pray. Continue to pray for those um, uh, who who had funerals last week. I know we had just a couple of people. Uh, I know Heather, Heather Lynn, and their family, and then also Sarah had lost her brother. And just continue to pray. I just pray that God's peace would be over these families. And and, and man, what a, what a you know what you know what you can do. You know how you can show love for another. Pray for them. Pray for them. So, um, uh, so let's pray in this house. And any other needs, if you have a need, just raise your hand, and and we'll just pray for those needs. God, we thank you for this word tonight. God, I, I'm so grateful for the hope that we have in heaven. God, and God, may we not forget, Lord, that we're just uh, sojourners, or Lord, we're pilgrims passing through this land. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help to focus our eyes on what is ahead. And God, and not get distracted by what's happening around us, but keep our eyes focused on you. God, I ask, Lord, that you would uh, just cover us uh, with your grace, God, your people. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just ground us in, in our faith in you, God. Remind us of the, of the finished work on the cross, God. Remind us of that, God, and the things that we've done in the past, God, that, that's great. But, Lord, help us to love one another, God, each and every day. God, just let the love of Christ begin to just flow from us, God, just, just overflow of your love. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just remind us of the hope, God. When we want to get discouraged, when we want to quit, when we feel like we're being persecuted or we're going through a trial or situation, remind us, Lord, that you are a God who loves us, and Lord, that there is a way, you've made a way out. God, we lift up uh, Sister Marcia. Lord, I pray for her. God, I ask, Lord, that you would give her strength in her body. Lord, that you would just uh, continue to touch her body. Lord, minister to her. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just give her peace in her mind. God, we lift up uh, uh, Heather's family, Lord, and, and, and the tinchers. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just bless them. God, Lord, you'd give them peace. Lord, Sarah and uh, Lord Joanne, Lord, their family and Elsie. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just give them peace, God, in this time. God, and though those those things may have been last week, God, I, I pray over the next weeks, up and coming weeks, God, uh, when people are not around as much, Lord, that your peace would just be with them. God, surround them with your love and mercy. And God, we'll give you the praise. God, we'll give you the glory.